Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Song of Solomon, chapter 5. And we're going to pick up in verse 2. Chapter 5, verse 2. This again is the Shulamite woman speaking. And if you've been with us, we are that Shulamite woman. Okay, you and I are, are talking right now. This is our, our conversation. Verse 2, I sleep, but my heart is awake. It is the voice of my beloved. He knocks, saying, open for me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one. For my head is covered with dew, my locks with the drops of the night. I want to pick up on my dove, my perfect one. That's where we left off last time. So we have... The king, the shepherd, our Lord is at the door and he's knocking and he's saying, as we saw here, I have come to my garden, my sister, my spouse. So he's he's here in our presence. But notice in verse two, I sleep, but my heart is awake. It is the voice of my beloved. He knocks saying, open for me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one. So God looks at you and me as believers in Jesus Christ, as his sons or his daughters. If we put our faith in him, if we put our trust in him, we are now his sons and his daughter or his daughter. The dove throughout scripture is uh, usually associated with the Holy Spirit. It's also associated with God's blessings his pleasure. The Holy Spirit comes across through that image of the dove as gentle, innocent, pure, and very patient. And you know and I know if you're a believer here today, the patience God has shown with us in our journey with him. Right? His grace and his mercy. New every morning, the scriptures say. Verse 2 continues to say, For my head is covered with dew, my locks with the drops of the night. Now David, King David, compared the refreshing dew of Hermon, Mount Hermon, to the blessings of unity of Israel. Mount Hermon is in the northern part of Israel. If you look at it today, you would see it's usually snow-capped, majestic, it's huge. And when you go down south, Uh, Around Jerusalem, you have uh, Mount Zion, smaller, not as majestic. Up towards the north, it's more uh, fertile. It's more uh, rain. There's more moisture. We're down in the south. It's a little drier. So when we see this, my head is covered with dew, my locks with the drops of the night. What is going on here in this particular passage with the Song of Solomon? Verse 
Well, one of the things that do remember is refreshment, abundance, okay? That do in the morning, you know, on a nice summer day, it might have been hot the day before, and you wake up in the morning, there's dew on the grass. It's moist, it's refreshing. And then we see my locks with the drops of the night. A couple things we're going to look at, but one of the things is notice that the king comes during the night, sometime during the night or the wee hours of the morning, and he's knocking on the door. Now, again, remember, you and I are the bride of Christ. God is seeking us out. He's knocking. He's trying to get our attention. Didn't matter the time or the condition to God. He'll meet us where we are. Doesn't matter the time of day or night. God desires fellowship with us. Do you know that? He desires fellowship with us. Anytime, day or night. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 3, it says, What we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we're brought in union with the Father and the Son. He can communicate with us, to us. That's an awesome thing. That's a supernatural thing. In 1 John 5, or 1 John 1, verses 5 to 7, it says, This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus' son cleanses us from all sin. So God desires that fellowship with us. How are we doing, everybody, with our one-on-one time with the Lord? How are you doing? It's always important to check that out. The second thing, God wants to refresh us. Remember, the Jews were basically an agricultural people. Okay, they depended on the early and the latter rains. They depended on the dew to help things grow and, and flourish. That watered their crops. When we get into God's word, it's like moisture. It's like that dew in the morning. It helps us to grow. It refreshes us. Third, in Scripture, dew symbolizes the life-giving word of God. Do you know no matter what condition you're in here tonight, tired, a lot of energy, half and half, your spirit is craving God's word. Your spirit's like a sponge, better than a sponge. It just wants to soak up everything from God's word. Everything that God's Holy Spirit wants to share with you tonight, your spirit is ready. 
It's ready to absorb. In Deuteronomy 32.2, it says, His speech shall flow like dew. When we hear God's word, it's, like, it's life-giving. His word is full of his spirit. His word is him. We're getting to know Jesus better as we hear his word. Fourth thing, the blessings of God brings fruitfulness. The Holy Spirit, working through God's word, brings new life where there was death. Maybe today you came in here and you're like spiritually dry. Or you're spiritually stuck in the mud. Or maybe you're spiritually feeling awesome. Well, the Holy Spirit wants to add to that. The Holy Spirit wants to just keep reviving you and and watering you. Now, this goes to different things. It's not only to your walk with him. This, This freshness, this newness goes to your beliefs. It goes to your relationships. It goes to any situation, anything. God wants to make you fresh in the situations that you're in. Wants it to be new. Verse three of the Song of Solomon. I have taken, I have taken off my robe. How can I put it on again? I have washed my feet. How can I defile them? What's happening here? It's a knock on the door in verses 1 and 2. But notice, like us, the Shulamite woman has switched gears. She's taken off her robe. She's tired. She's ready to retire for the evening. Are you ready for the Lord's call at any time, even if it's inconvenient? I think we all can relate. Maybe God is calling us, could be in the middle of the night, could be something he's put on our heart to do. And we're too tired to do it physically or mentally. Or we feel that's an inconvenience and we can get to it later. And notice she says in verse 3, how can I put it on again? Here she's talking about a robe, but how would that be for you or for me? Well, we have our own agenda. This is an inconvenience. The Lord's asking me to do something. I have to put on my spiritual robe. But, you know, I want to leave it hanging up there. It's an inconvenience right now. I'm not into it. Continuing in three, I've washed my feet. She's pretty much done for the day. She doesn't want to get out of bed. Most of the floors back there were dirt floors. You know, she's already cleaned her feet. She's got it into bed. 
She doesn't want to get out and dirty your feet again only to have to wash them and get back into bed again. Can you relate? I'm done for the day. Can't we always justify our actions? But what is the real heart of the issue? Isn't it the very things when we're inconvenienced and God calls us to do something that really reveals our heart to ourselves? Doesn't that really show us where we are at that moment in our walk with the Lord? She's saying in verse 3, how can I defile them? And I think this is just one of those excuses. Luke eleven twenty seven says, he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Now, Jesus came from heaven to earth. He humbled himself and he became a baby. He spent about 30 plus years here in a Christ rejecting world. He was beaten, tortured, ridiculed, crucified, died on a cross. He did not have to do that. He could have looked at that as an inconvenience of leaving the throne room in heaven. But he loved us so much that he did that. Can you turn with me to Isaiah 53, please? Isaiah 53. I think we should always reflect on just what Jesus did. Because I think that would help us as we go forward in this journey with him. Because we're going to come across situations that are going to be inconvenient. They're going to be difficult. We're going to be tired. But when we look at our Lord... The real Rocky. The one who really overcame all the odds for you and for me. Isaiah 53. Verse 1. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of, for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. 
He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servants shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he poor, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. He didn't have to do this. It was an inconvenience. He was in glory, sitting at the right hand of his father. But he loved us so much that he came down here to go through what we just read for you and for me. Are you worth it? Yes. Yes, you are. You're all worth it from the youngest to the oldest. You're worth it. He proved it by going to the cross. Now we go to verse 4. My beloved put his hand by the latch of the door and my heart yearned for him. God is always ready to meet us. In Revelation 3.19, it says, Those I love I rebuke and discipline. Therefore be earnest and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and him with me. To the one who overcomes, I will grant the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. I believe the Lord is always trying to get our attention. In, in that verse part, he's speaking to the Laodicean church, the church that was lukewarm. You might be here tonight and you're lukewarm. You're not hot and you're not cold. You're in the middle. And God wants us all to know what is there in our life that's going on right now that we need to repent of, that we need to turn from and keep our eyes focused on Christ. In an audience this large, there has to be people that are dealing with things. There's got to be sin in your life that you're struggling with. And the Lord wants you to know in him you can turn and he'll give you the strength through the power of his spirit to keep your eyes on him. He desires that fellowship with all of us. And notice he's standing at that door and knocking. Just like in this uh, situation with the Shulamite woman. Just like with you and me. His latch is on the door and the latch is like the lock. It's the lock. But the lock is on our side. You see, we have to be willing to say, Lord, I am a sinner. 
I, I need to turn from what I'm doing and get back on track with you. I open that part of my heart, that part of my life to you that I've been keeping locked. You see, you know what that locked room is. God knows what that locked room is. He wants you to open up that locked room so he can come in and minister to you and clean it. God is always ready to meet us where we are. He's awesome. And notice in verse 4, my heart yearned for him. Coaching all the years that I did, you always came across kids who really wanted it more than other kids on the team in sports. And I look at that word yearning and I think of it to what degree. And I think we can apply this to ourselves in our, in our relationship with the Lord. How much do, does our heart yearn for him? To what degree does it yearn? Now, we know there are people that spurn. They reject with disdain or contempt anything about God. They don't want to hear it. For whatever reason, they don't want to hear it. Then there are those who turn. They look to see. They, they look to listen. Then there are those who yearn. Definition of yearning is an intense feeling or a longing for something or someone that has been lost or they've been separated from for some time. And then burn. Possessed by a desire or an emotion. Now, like I said, as a coach, dealing with athletes, you could see First of all, those kids that spurned it, they wouldn't even come out for the team. But there were kids who just showed up and they just wanted to be a part of something. But you didn't get that yearning and burning from them. Then you got that yearning from some that really wanted it. But then you would get those guys or girls who burned. I remember one kid when I was coaching at Brookdale, we were doing, uh, they call them suicides. Okay, a suicide is you would start on the, like if this was the baseline, you would go to the foul line, come back to the baseline. You would go to half court, back to the baseline, go to the other foul line, back to the baseline, go all the way down the baseline and all the way to the base, back to the original baseline. You would have to do that in 30 seconds. And I would always count down five seconds or three seconds. So then you really saw the kids yearning and burning. There was one kid though, that he was real close. His name was Bobby. And Bobby, there was about two seconds left, and he was halfway between the foul line and the baseline. So it was about maybe just where the steps are to that front pew. And he literally dove. He was like Super Bob. He just flew. And he got burnt on the floor the whole thing, but he dove. That kid was burning, not only physically, but in his heart, he was burning. He wanted it more than anybody else. You know, he, he showed it by what he did. What would get you up 
to answer the door. Like this Shulamite woman, what would get her up to open up that door? It takes spiritual maturity. Think about that. It takes spiritual maturity. I think some of us in here, depending on how long we've been believers, can relate to that. From where we were when we were young Christians to where we are now. You know, we recognize God's voice and we get up. We go and answer that call. Now, there's sometimes, and you can be a very mature believer, and sometimes you just don't answer the call. You don't want to get up. Could be that physical tiredness, or there's something going on and you're just out of whack. I think we know the story, uh, the parable where a friend comes at midnight and, you know, he needs a loaf of bread and he's knocking on the door and guy's in his bed with his family and he doesn't want to get up. The guy keeps knocking. And because of the persistence of that guy knocking, he gets up out of bed and gives him the loaf of bread. In verse 13 of that particular chapter, it says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You see, I believe it's the Holy Spirit who gets you up. I think the Holy Spirit is why you're here tonight, or the Holy Spirit is why you're listening to this message I think it's a God thing. It's an Elohim thing. It's the power of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit working in unison to get you where he wants you to be. How many of us have said, oh boy, if I only knew the things I know now 20 years ago or 10 years ago or five years ago or two days ago... (laughs) But God's timing is perfect. God has you right where you are today. And it's not a surprise to him. Verse 5. I arose to open for my beloved. And my hands dripped with myrrh. My fingers with liquid myrrh. On the handles of the lock. Verse 6. I opened for my beloved. But my beloved had turned away and was gone. My heart leaped up. When he spoke. I saw him but I could not find him. I called him but he gave me no answer. I arose. In verse 5. To open for my beloved. Do you listen for God wanting to have fellowship with you? Do you react to that? Could be sometime during your day. Could be during your lunchtime, break time, workout time. Could be in the middle of the night. Might happen tonight. God just wants to spend some time with you. Look for those opportunities. That's awesome. 
God through his Holy Spirit just trying to get your attention. And my hands drip with myrrh. Remember, myrrh symbolized that bitterness, suffering, and affliction. Some of the very time you hear the voice of God might be through that time of bitterness, suffering, and affliction. In this story, in this Song of Solomon, we're in chapter 5. If you've been with us, remember at the beginning in chapters 1 and 2, the, Sol- the Shulamite woman, she's been through a lot. Remember, she was just a girl, a peasant girl out in the field. Remember, she was darker than most than the daughters of Jerusalem because they were inside. She was working out in the sun. She was tan. She was a hard worker. She was through it. She was poor. Each day, she had to make a living. Each day, she had to get food. It wasn't easy. So she's at the point now as a result of hanging in there during that whole time, the first four chapters. Do you ever feel like giving up? Do you ever feel like just packing it in with the Lord? Don't do that. He came from heaven to earth, dying a cross for you. We're finite. We can't figure it all out. Hold on to those things you know about God and just trust him. He'll bring you through it. You can't understand. These bodies are frail, right? But God is bringing us to a place. The best days are coming. The best days are ahead of us. Verse 6, I opened for my beloved, but my beloved had turned away and was gone. Do you ever have silent times where you feel abandoned? Where you don't feel the presence of the Lord? Hebrews 13, 5 says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. When I first came to the Lord, I believe it was Bill Bright in one of the tracks, the four spiritual laws it had a, in the back. It had a train and it was fact, uh, feeling and emotion maybe or fact, emotion, feeling one of those combination but fact was first and the fact is this that Jesus loves you he died on the cross for you he'll never leave you or forsake you your feelings and your emotion can't pull the train the fact is that God is the head he's the power that gets you through this life your feelings and emotions that we all know is always going to change. It's going to be up and down like a roller coaster. Always hold on to the fact of who God is, what he is doing, and what he'll continue to do. Shulamite woman in verse 6 says, My heart leaped up when he spoke. In Luke 24, 31, it says, Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized Jesus. And he disappeared from their sight. 
They asked one another, were not our hearts burning within us as he spoke with us on the road and opened the scripture to us? And that's when some of the apostles on the road to Emmaus and uh, Jesus played a little uh, game with them. He didn't let them recognize who he was. Jesus is awesome. How many times are we traveling through our day and we don't think Jesus is there? And then later on, we look back and say, oh, Lord, you got me. (laughs) You got me. You were right there. And then as you get older and more mature in the Lord, you know those times that you don't feel his presence. He's there. You don't let the feelings and emotions pull the train. He's a conductor. He's the one that's driving our life. I think when we hear God's word and it hits a chord, doesn't your heart just leap? Doesn't your spirit just get refreshed and invigorated? All of you here tonight, different things happen to you today, this week. I don't know what happened unless you shared it with me. And even then I wouldn't know the depth of it, what you're really feeling or what you're really going through. But isn't it neat that God will take his word when it's oblivious to everybody else and he's just ministering to you through your, his Holy Spirit? That's a God thing. It's a beautiful thing because he's a beautiful God. Then we see in this verse 6 that the Shulamite woman sought him but couldn't find him. If that's you tonight, Bible says that you will find him when you seek him with all your heart. Seek him more. Talk to him. Pray. Read. Which one of those spiritual athletes are you? Be the burning one. The one who dives. The one who will go to any extreme to just be tight with your Lord. I called him, but he gave no answer in verse 6. It says, end of verse 6. I called him, but he gave no answer. He might be telling you, you need some noise reduction. You need some elimination of things that might be clouding your vision and your hearing. The Bible says a still small voice, a delicate whispering voice. In order to hear that, you have to be focused. You have to be tuned in. You can't be distracted by all the other things that are going on around you. It's your time with the Lord. Other things will just have to wait. Let's try to get through one more verse. These turkeys that we're going to see next. I want to finish with some turkeys, even though it's not Thanksgiving. Verse 7. The watchmen who went about the city found me. They struck me. They wounded me. The keepers of the walls took my veil away from me. 
The watchmen in the Bible were guards. They were responsible for protecting towns and the military installations. They were always alert and looking for enemy attacks and other potential dangers. The ancient Israelite cities often stationed watchmen on high walls or in watchtowers. Their job was to keep watch and warn the townspeople of impending threats. The Hebrew word translated watchman means one who looks out, one who spies, one who watches. Sometimes watchmen were scouts who looked out for approaching friends as well as enemies. The role of the spiritual watchman continues in the New Testament in the form of church leaders. But a church leader is not only a pastor or an elder, could be a Sunday school teacher, could be an usher, could be a Christian, regardless of your age. So guess what? We're all watchmen. From the youngest to the oldest, we're all watchmen. We're taking care of one another, aren't we? Aren't we looking to encourage, to pray, to reach out to one another? This is what watchmen do. The Bible says, obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God, which is true when you look at the leadership of this church. It also says in the scripture, give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. And that was from Hebrews 13, verse 17. Let's finish. If you could, if you're still in Isaiah, if not, go back to Isaiah chapter 56 this time, and we're going to finish with this. Isaiah 56, starting with verse 9. All you beasts of the field come to devour all you beasts in the forest. His watchmen are blind, they are ignorant, They are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark, sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Yes, they are greedy dogs, which never have enough. And they are shepherds who cannot understand. They all look to their own way, every one for his own gain from his own territory. Come, one says, I will bring wine and we will fill ourselves with intoxicating drink. Tomorrow will be as today. And much more abundant. Okay, so these watchmen, as we close tonight, the watchmen. It's very important for you and for me to be Bereans. What does that mean? That means that we check the scriptures daily to see if what is being taught from up here or on the radio or on TV or in a conversation is in God's word. That is huge. Okay, so that's, that's very, very important. But notice in Isaiah 56, verses 9 to 12, it said they're blind to God's word. 
Understand there are so-called Christian churches today throughout the land, throughout the world, that call themselves born again, but they do not teach God's word. They're ignorant of the words of God. They take part of the word of God, whether it be only the old or only the new. They don't cover the entire scriptures. They're disobedient to the Lord's word. They urge God's people to live faithfully, not warning others of what's coming if they fall away from the Lord and pursue evil. There is still sin in this world. Do you know that? With this whole tolerance move, there's still sin. The sin that Jesus died for 2,000 years ago is still prevalent in our society today, regardless of what laws are passed. doesn't matter. Sin is sin. They're compared to dumb dogs that don't bark to warn people who are their call to protect. They're leaving them open to danger and suffering. And I can say, praising Jesus, that has never happened in this church from this pulpit. The people that have been up here have been faithful to God's word to give you the whole counsel, not just what sounds good. In Isaiah 56, and also throughout this world, there are people sleeping in the pulpit. They're not bringing forth God's word. They're rambling in their own verbiage. They're not teaching scripture. They're just delirious up there. They read a passage, close the Bible, and then that's it. They're lying down on the job instead of keeping watch. They're dead spiritually. They love to slumber. They love to stay lazy while they're on duty. They're like, they, they like their name or their position. Obedience is the only course of action for a true watchman. Obedience. It's the only course of action for a true watchman. So as we close right now, what is God saying to you and to me tonight? Where are we? Are we people of action? Are we burning? Are we yearning? Are we just neutral? You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfield's by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.